Hey there, do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. Right out the gate, I want to just mention, you might notice I sound a little rougher than usual. I'm recovering from a little bit of a cold. Uh, I've been trying to record this intro for the past couple of days. It's uh, This is the best I got. So I appreciate you... Uh, hanging with me and dealing with this, the pod must go on. You know what I'm saying? This is episode 152, and my guest this week is Colin Young of the Hard Lore podcast of a million bands like Twitching Tongues, God's Hate, Eyes of the Lord, Dead Body, and so on. Um, we recorded this last week, had a ton of fun. I've known Colin for, we realized, almost 20 years, which is really crazy to think about. And I want to let you know that if you are new here, there is a bonus episode available right now where Colin answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that by going to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. You get access to a Discord channel, all the previous bonus episodes, and it really supports the show and it would mean a whole lot to me. Also, if you're new here and you enjoy this, please subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, leaving a positive rating and review. Those things help and it would mean so much. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the goddamn hilarious Colin Young. Colin Young, what the hell? It's so nice to see you. How are you today? I feel so good and, and blessed to be part of the Jeremy Bohm show. That's what it's called now as of episode. I think this is like going to be a episode 152. So yeah, this is now Jeremy Bohm show. (laughs) So nice to be here. Uh, Okay. So off mic, uh, we're just going to get right into this. You were talking about how you've been listening to Primus a lot lately. Dude, I'm on a historic Primus kick right now. Now, have you always been a Primus guy or is this a new revelation? No, this is, this is a lifelong affiliation. I would say lifelong, um, dedication to the maybe the the one of the best bands ever to ever make music right are you 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 strike me as a primus guy i enjoy primus i enjoy there's there's a few records that i specifically listen to there's definitely ones i'm unfamiliar with but my my go 
Right. My go-to is frizzle fry. What's your go-to? Frizzle fry or pork soda. Um, sailing the seas of cheese is great, obviously. Yes. yes. Uh, sir, they like. I don't want to put people on to Primus too hard because then I can't take their riffs anymore. Mm. But um, they're 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 a secret hard band. Oh, for sure. Like when when they drop into like breakdown territory like there's nothing heavier no. than than the base situation do you agree also because we got into this conversation in the van a couple years ago most i feel bad for the guitar players in the band because they don't you get the recognition they deserve nothing who knows what is going on there and who cares <laughs> it does feel insane it's just it's just random new like riffing and like noodling yeah. and like like avant-garde style guitar but it's like fine like who finally a band where that's not all the that matters, you know totally the bait you're listening to bass that yeah. that's crazy that um, one guy was powerful enough to make that a reality <laughs> very true so okay so right now are you is there a specific record you're into or are you also just i'm on around? a fry. i'm on a big frizzle fry kick okay okay i can't stop dude yeah but what's your this is, this Taylor Young has been on like a 10 year Primus kick, like oh. Primus kick. All right. Uh, and like, that's his, if we're on tour or something, that's his drive. Like he, he alternates Candlemas live and Primus. Wow. Um, Do you, is there ever been other members of the band that are not Primus people? Cause that feels like Guantanamo to some but, people. Well, here's the thing, man. I think people who are not Primus people just don't know that they're Primus people yet. They haven't heard the song that makes it go, oh, this makes sense. Like, oh, this is hard music written by, right. by freaks. Because Too Many Puppies is an insane song that is insane. really good. Insane. Dude, that, it's so hard. It, it truly is. I think my all-time favorite song is Putting Time off of that. Oh, hard, dude. <laughs> it's putting hard it's putting time, children. <laughs> yeah. I like that you sent me this email with like prepping me for the show i guess i should start doing that huh uh i only started doing <laughs> that yeah i only started doing that probably in the last year hmm. um and i do think that guests like to sort of because some you know you know how it is like to be yeah. asked certain things like like yo what was your first blah blah i you see guests oh, start to really time. have a hard time remembering i love ambushing people with like uh, the most important thing they've ever had to think about in their life. Right. Yeah. And watching them squirm for three to five minutes. I'll edit it down for them though. I'm a nice guy. Sure. Yo, yeah. I mean like it's, it becomes on par sometimes with, you know, asking, Oh, what's your top three? Blah, blah. You see the panic in people's faces. I panic. There's a, we just did that live thing. And I, I asked every guest, like, what's your, what's your Mount Rushmore? You know, your big four. Somebody asked me that and I had like a panic. I had like a meltdown. Yeah. How am I supposed to pick four of all these right. things? I like? Right, right, right. Do you, uh, I know you're a big movie guy. I'm sure at some point we're yeah, going to yeah. talk movie stuff a little bit, but like, do you, have you ever listened to Brett Goldstein from uh, uh, Ted Lasso's movie podcast? Cause it's no, great. Okay. So, so he has a show uh, called films to be buried with where, mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's a similar thing where he has a questionnaire. Every episode is the same questionnaire. Like nice. what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? What's the saddest movie you've ever seen? It's what's a very, the movie you've ever seen. 
Oh, I would probably say the first time I saw. Actually, you know what? Not even the first time. The when they put The Exorcist back in the theater with the added scenes. Sure. Because I knew the movie so well as a kid, so that when all of a sudden she goes Dude, down the, the stairs backwards, faces and shit. Yes, the added Crazy. faces. Yeah, all of that. Was How new old to were me. you the first time you saw The Exorcist? Uh, probably ten. I think I was seven or eight in a yeah. friend's basement in Connecticut, like in an actual probably haunted pre right. uh, pre colonial basement. Very, very possible. Very it's possible. So yeah, not a good thing to do. No, definitely not. Um, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Uh, I think the the single biggest scare I've ever felt, like the mo- like the biggest like ah moment, was the Exorcist three hospital hallway shot. Yeah, yep. dude, that got me. That really like, <gasps> and then uh, Paranormal Activity the first time in theaters. Oh, I felt unsafe. Underrated. Underrated. underrated good the haters need to just suck my ass you know it's good it's it is those movies the fault is in the endings oh yeah but like, the ending of that first one is fucking rock solid i don't know if i remember what happens but but you know what it was in the yeah. era it's in the era of like alternate endings mm. where like and that to me always came off as a red flag where you're like if you had to film this many alternate endings you guys didn't know what you were doing you knew it sucked you yes. were insecure about it exactly yeah, exactly fair. um no i'm with i'm with you those movies are underrated i also feel like the end of the blair witch project was also very scary the first time you see it yeah um i also think the ring is an underrated first time movie theater experience movie it is that's a good ending because they just give it to you you know? Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, scariest movie. Have you seen Gone Jam Haunted Asylum? No. It's Korean like found footage movie? No, I haven't seen it. I think it might be the best found footage movie. Wow. It's so sick, dude. Wait, was that, was that in the heyday of the found footage? No, it's recent. It's recent. It's about a bunch of YouTubers, like Korean YouTubers, who go to this super haunted, like a real haunted asylum that actually exists. Uh, and they do like this live stream to raise money and you shit starts happening. Basically okay. there's more to it, obviously, but it do. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Okay. Um, yo, before we do all of the, uh, first experiences with you as a musical person, sure. um, I will, let's do a couple podcasty ones because, uh, first off mm-hmm. out the gate, just congratulations on hard lore. It's been really exciting to see the show grow so quickly. What do you think that the reasoning for that is? Do you think you just are hitting all the things at the right time? Do you, do you think it's timing? I think the same thing as the way music works now. It's all timing and luck. There's no recipe. Yeah. If I had done, if we had done that together six months earlier, it might not have happened the same. Yeah, well, also at the same time, you know, I, I, not to make you blush, but I feel like you and Bo are a great tag team. And also there's a lot of there's a lot of charm in it. And sure. I think that you're also uh, incredibly good at the editing aspect to make it um, the presentation. Yes, yeah, the important. presentation of it all. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, I'm never happy with it. So I just always want to find little ways to improve it. You know? OK. Um, um, I'm well, always like, fuck fuck that up so i try to do something else the next time so you guys just did your first ever live show Mm -hmm. talk to me about 
how that went and were you stressed out were you oh yeah talk to me about it that was that was i i didn't sleep a wink that whole week mostly because i was so stressed out for that live thing okay also Which, I mean, we weren't sure it was going to happen until that day oh it was not scheduled until days before it was not gonna there was, it was we were just there there was no plan to have us there um, and then I think because there was Ray was doing that podcast stage there, a lot of people assumed that it was us oh. not knowing that it was like a new outbreak fest podcast. Right. So it seems right. like in the response to that, they were like, oh, okay, well, I guess we should have them do something. <laughs> and it was so either like, give us two of the already scheduled interviews or just let us do a recap thing. So they already had all of the equipment because for me, from from the technical side, the parts that I always stress most about because I've only I've done one live show now, too, and it was a brain dead. But mm. like. I'm mostly always concerned is like, is this going to be recorded properly? Yeah, that is scary. Yeah. So was that a concern with you because they already had no, it? Or not because, as much? because we have our video guy, Sean. Is this like insane neurotic wild mid 40s x k rock employee that's what you want it's what we want man and he's like insane he's never gone anywhere in his life but he's a technical he's a whiz he knows what he's doing and we can kind of be like sean this is how you know this is a chicken sandwich uh <laughs> you eat it like this uh and but he and you know he he knows where to put an xlr so it's great it's a great little balance i wasn't stressed out about that at all it was more so just like, uh, didn't know. I didn't prep for it really. How would you prep for that? Other than being like, we're at the fest. Here's what we liked. Here's what we didn't like. I was uh, going to ask if there was much prep going into it or was it just like, okay, it's ready to go. Here's two microphones. Yeah. That's where you really, sit. We had about 30 minutes to set up before the room was the devil's dick hot. Yeah. Just infernal in there. Ugh. Um, and I think, I think the, the fault I see in it, it was very, it's very endearing because I was like crazy emotional. I don't know what it would do. That week really just hit me hard. Just the fact that like, like, like you said, the growth that we experienced in just about a year doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? Um, and there's no recipe to it. We didn't prep for that. That was so not the goal. So it really just hit me hard when it when it came down to do it. And I think the fault I see in it now is that Bo and I weren't having as much of a conversation with each other as we were like having kind of separate conversations with the audience. So that's just something to keep in mind. Like we have another live thing at Brain Dead. Right. In a in a couple of weeks. And I'm I'm excited for that because I have I have some I know what to expect now. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I no, that a, I won't be on the verge of tears the entire time. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're experiencing this a lot now though, but like, you know, I do think there is a difference between something, someone coming up to you and saying, um, yo, I love your band. I love your record. And then yeah. someone coming up to you saying, yo, I love what you're doing on hard lore. Like oh, there's dude. a different level of appreciation for each of those. Do you feel that? Yeah. Big time. Cause it's like, Hey, I like your art versus Hey, I like you as a guy talking for two hours every week. Totally. Wildly different things. Um, yeah. And that's why it hit me so hard. I think like this, I say it on the thing a bunch, but there was these like 10 or 12 Bulgarians 
that came up to us during the show and like told us about how they all get together and like watch the show every week. Ah. And dude, I turned around and like wept. That's awesome. It, it whooped my these fucking Bulgarians beat the shit out of me emotionally. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's I I think you know I had to get that out of me. Right. You know? It's like okay, all right, they fuck with us in Bulgaria. I'm good to go now. I'm good. What was your very first experience with podcasting? Like, is this your was this your first attempt at it, or had you tried and maybe not released stuff? Let's like, take two, brother. Take two. Uh, okay. Um, Alec Faber and I, bass player of Twitching Tongues and God's Hate, had a movie podcast called Real Deal. That's right. For a number of years, we kept this going. That's right. Um, and we loved it. We were so passionate about it. Um, we saw the movie Split together in theaters. Okay. The M. Night Shyamalan film. Oh, I'm familiar. And we were so blown away by the ending that we went home and recorded a podcast. And that was good. <laughs> uh, I love that as a catalyst. It was Split, dude. Split made it happen. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I, there would be no hard lore without Real Deal, for sure. 100%. Um, yeah. It was so much fun. I, we love movies as much as we love music. Yeah. So it was, but I, it, you know, hearing two musicians talk about movies doesn't make as much sense as hearing them talk about music. So I think maybe that's another reason hard lore popped the way it did. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's, it, which can be sometimes, you know, frustrating because you're like, man, we are so passionate about this. Why aren't other people as passionate about this? I know. But then yeah. you you say like the a, a guy from Ted Lasso has a movie podcast. And I'm like, that makes sense. That's probably good. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a good time. Um, What did you learn how to edit a podcast doing the real deal show? Um, kind of, you know, I learned what a limiter was. That was huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think my it, most of my editing was was my stepdad was my high school film teacher. Oh, so like be like I took his class because he was dating my mom. I had to keep I had to keep an eye on this motherfucker, you know. Um, but so but he taught me everything I knew there, and now I'm I smoke him, dude. I know so much more than him. You wouldn't believe it. Wow! Uh, wow! Okay. But okay. you learn you you never stop learning in this in this crazy podcast medium. You know, yeah, because that's one of the. Th I mean, when you and I, when you first started Hard Lore, you know, we talked a little bit here and there because I was so impressed with like how much work you were putting into it, and you were, and then you let me know how, like, literally how I'm much dying, work you put sir. into it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm fading away every day. Have you? Is your audience aware of like the amount of time that you're putting into this every I week? Think so think? I say it all the time. You know, okay. uh, yeah, that it's just like every ounce of free time I have is spent i you know how many podcasts i've said no to doing jeremy in the past yeah. year oh well and now i'm on i but i'm i you know i'm not missing the jeremy bohm show <laughs> um you flatter me sir uh, uh, i mean now this is now this is the real question is you strike me as someone that is similar to me in the sense of it'd be really hard for you to give up control of something oh, yeah. like you would have a hard time if some you know some super pro came in and was like, you'll let me do it for you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, the, the reels, 
like the Instagram reels to promote the episode, I'll pass those off any day because that's the worst part of the fucking show. Mm. Picking 90, 60 to 90 seconds out of two hours. Yes. Keeps me up at night, Jeremy. It's tough. It's, it's tough because you're hard, man. Because also the things that you think are going to connect with an audience are probably half right. Because yeah. you don't realize that most people just love the banter between you two anyway. Yeah. So most things will probably work. Yeah. And, you know, but it's if it's a guest, like I want to make sure they feel well represented by the clip and it doesn't feel like a gotcha. Right. Um, and it feels like something like I have to. It basically has to be a trailer for the episode that also works as a thing that can just exist on its own. Totally. Yeah. It's this sounds so trivial to people who don't make a podcast, you know? Right. Uh, but God, it's such a huge piece of it. Yeah, like for this show, you know, I do like, you know, the quote unquote audiogram where I just pick, yeah, third, you know, under a minute basically yeah. section. And I'm usually like, I don't want to even have my voice in it. I just want it to be the guest talking yeah. kind of a deal. And totally. yeah, finding those moments, it's it's tough. Thankfully, my editor now finds them and mm. they're, you know, he, he'll choose like three of them to let me sort of cherry pick which That's one I cool. like the most. Um, but yeah, no, it's tough. It's those are the little things that people probably don't even your listeners don't even realize. They don't even think about it. When in yeah. reality, like I'm while a podcast is happening, the guest is talking. I'm like, this would be a good clip. This is a good clip. This is the clip. Do you make notes while you're doing the oh, show? No, I wish I should, because then I'm listening back and I'm like, where was that clip that I thought was good? What was yes. I thinking? So, you know, I've never utilized it once. I don't know if, because, uh, you know, as we discussed, we're on, we're, we're using Zencaster for my show. On the right hand side, I have a footnote section that I could uh, make notes if I want to. They offer that. But have I ever done it? You'll make the sickest note. No. Like, oh, here it is. <laughs> I should make the audiogram us talking about footnotes. <laughs> that's the, that's the clip is us being like, clips fucking suck. Yeah. Um, so okay, now we can uh we can we can talk a little bit about your music life um sure. or a lot of it I'm assuming. So I know you're from Connecticut. I there's a few things about your timeline that maybe I'm not a hundred percent on. Let's clear what it up. Yeah. So what age did you actually move to the San Fernando Valley, and was the valley the yeah. first location you landed? First location, Van Nuys, California. Okay, and you haven't left. I I moved to Hollywood for a year. Oh, I moved true. To Glendale for a year. True. Back to Van Nuys, baby. Yeah. Bringing the promised you land. I was promised to be here. Um, I was 12 years old. It was January 2nd, 2004. Now, an, arm, an armchair psychologist might say that is a really tough time to have to move across the country. Did Brother. you feel that? Oh, my God. Yes. But also, uh, I didn't have a lot of friends in Connecticut. Um, I was... A th like a th like kind of a theater kid who liked metal you know so it didn't really fit in either one because it was like i was the goth weirdo into the theater kids but i was also the theater kid to everybody else so I'm now, fucking, I, once the once it's time for the spring play i'll i'm fucking killing it you know did you continue doing theater in in high school out here up until high school okay okay i i, I lost it I lost it at high school because, you know, this is this happens to a lot of people I'm learning is that like you get to high school and it's such a culty little world. It's a weird thing, man. Or like the teacher is like a, like didn't make it and is taking it out on all our students. You know, mm -hmm. that was my vibe. I had two of those in a row. 
Ah. And then it was like, I'm just going to play Hatebreed riffs. Right. Where it just becomes discouraging because they're making you feel discouraged. Exactly. But now I have a podcast, a really cool podcast (laughs) where I get to lie all the time. Mr. And and Mrs. So-and-so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you say theater, are you doing musicals or are you just acting? Are you singing too? Oh, I'm singing. You're singing. Okay. What was, what was some plays that you did? Um, damn Yankees was a big one. Okay. I played, uh, the devil, which was dope, you know, right up your alley as the goth fantasy of mine. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite I ever did was how to succeed in business without really trying. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with, with the play, but. You're unfamiliar? I'm unfamiliar with that. Oh, dude, there's a movie. You should watch it. Okay. From yeah. the 60s. It's great. Okay. Um, are it's about you... bullshitting. It's basically the hard lore story, you know? <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, are you someone who still enjoys musicals today? A big time. Big time. Huge time. Yeah. Something. Do you go to ones here in LA? No. Um, I don't know. I, I there's something like I want to be in Phantom of the Opera so bad, dude. I want to be the Phantom so bad, <laughs> but I'll never try. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't really do that. I I don't. This is this is this is maybe one of the craziest things about me, Jeremy. Okay. I don't really like live music. Okay. Something about it. If I can't participate in it in some way, I'm I'm not. I can't really enjoy it. You know. I hate a concert. Yeah, but you, I mean, you go. Oh, a show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Heart, that's why hardcore is so magical, dude. Okay. If you're in the room, you're part of it. Okay, so there is the dividing line for you. Like you, yeah. like going to a hardcore show you still love. Yeah, I'm participating. Okay. okay I'm, first... I am part of the, like, the reason that the show rocks, you know? Got it. But have you been to a big-ass concert that you were like, fuck? That was... All of them. Okay, yeah. All of them yeah, you didn't I... like. I didn't like them. I don't. There's. Oh, let's see. What have I seen where I was like that rocked? King Diamond rocked. Right. Because I know I, the song so well that me just singing them there is like I. I'm. I feel like I'm part of this. Uh, Faith no more. And I know you're a big Coheed guy. Dude, huge Coheed guy. But I've spin kicked for Coheed. You know. <laughs> if you think the title of this episode isn't gonna be I spin kicked to Coheed. <laughs> Dude, I spin kicked to Coheed like it was fucking everybody gets hurt. Castle Heights. Brother, I was I was killing motherfuckers. You wouldn't believe it. you would believe it, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, have, is your audience vocal, like are they aware how big of a Coheed fan you are? Yeah, I'm very I'm I'm very honest about my my love for Coheed. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of, obviously, no. but I just wonder if people would be. Basically the, the primus of, of 2000s progressive emo, you know? Damn. Damn. <laughs> it's, not, it's not wrong. It's not I've wrong. never lied before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's sick. That's sick. So uh, before we get into first, I do want to hit you with a, with a, a potential trickle of sweat. Uh, top, top uh, question. Oh. What do you think the We'll do the Mount Rushmore of Valley the Mount Rushmore movie. of two thousands progressive va- no Valley <laughs> movies movies that oh, you dude. think capture the Valley the best as we are both Valley boys Fast Times mm-hmm. Terminator Two <laughs> okay uh, La Bamba 
Okay. And it's always the fourth one that, that gets you. It's tough. Um, capture the Valley. Did you see Booksmart? I did. They, they drop a ton of Valley references in there that I liked a lot, but I know I'm missing something crazy. dude would it help you at all if i listed off potentially my please please please. boogie nights yeah porn clueless yeah circus liquor licorice pizza yeah licorice pizza is what yeah you're right that's number four yeah it's got to be right it's got to be Dude, I mean, every the PTA discog, right? Totally is is the valley. I don't. I can't believe I didn't show my boy some respect there. I also feel King, like I mean, I don't, I'm not going to add it, but uh, but Punch Drunk Love also is very valid. Like PTA? I, I've I've always wondered where that alley actually is. That it's behind the fucking with. apartment he grew up in, probably. Probably, but one that I don't think gets called a valley movie as much as The Sandlot. Is that a valley movie? supposedly so see i was a goonies kid mm. i think there's goonies kids and sandlot kids i'm a sandlot kid see i was a goonies kid okay okay that was my that's just what we had you know yeah i feel like there's also a standby me kid but he's he's not yeah he's, old. So well. he's a little older <laughs> yeah sure he's, he's leaning to the right now you know <laughs> <laughs> those standby me kids um okay I, i'm glad we established that um Colin, what was the first thing that you remember connecting with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something being played in the house by your folks, but something that you found independently independently on your own that made you feel like you had a sense of identity. Okay. I like this question a lot because um, Taylor was so instrumental in me learning about like anything, you know, he was my old head through and through. Totally. The first band that I discovered that I got to put him onto was Stigmata. Okay. Like Stigmata for me was finding hymns for an unknown God. I felt like I found this hidden secret treasure trove. And how did you find it? Just, I just stumbled upon it, dude. Like, you know, you know, you know, the formula you look at, you look at the shirts, the guys are wearing, you look at the thanks lists. One of those, I think it might have been Bloody Kisses, honestly. I think they thank All Out War and Stigmata. Mm. Um, and it was like, I, I love All Out War, so what is Stigmata? Right. Um, found that record. If you look to this day, Google hymns for an un- Stigmata, hymns for an unknown God lyrics. I submitted them. <laughs> to wherever, yes. whatever site you're on, they will yeah. say submitted by Colin Young. Wow. So did you did you did the homework where you typed oh, them all I out? Work, dude. I wow. found I downloaded everything they ever recorded illegally. <laughs> um because you couldn't do it legally. Uh to this and then eventually got to play drums for them, which was really cool. That was like the ultimate full circle thing. Yeah. Um yeah, they were the first band that felt like it was like, oh, this is mine. Right. Just just to jump ahead, how did you get in touch with them to have that situation happen? Uh, on the 2013 In Love There's No Law tour, we kind of, I think we shot in the dark. We're like, do you guys want to do 
Parnas? Uh, and they said yes. And did like four or five of the shows on the West Coast, which they had not been to in like 10 or 15 years. Sure. Um, and because Taylor played in Nails, they asked Taylor to fill in at This Is Hardcore. And Taylor was like, I can't, but you should ask Colin because he plays this record every day. <laughs> like, no joke. That was like my warming up record. Right. So I'll sit down and play through hymns. Um, and they were like, we didn't know he played drums. So I sent them a video of me playing like every song. Uh, we did not practice together ever. Just showed up and rocked. Uh, there's one mistake in the video. In the video, you'll see it's not my fault. I was playing it like the album. They were doing some weird live nuance that they'd established without me. <laughs> it's not my fault for the record. You'd think that'd be a conversation, but you know, I don't. I but it's like think about how often are you listening to Touche? You know, and being right. like, oh, this live nuance we do is not on the album. I forgot. Right. You just right. you play a song for 10 years, you forget that some stuff's not there. Totally. We learned that. It was so we have Alec from Initiate playing guitar for us because Nick can't tour with us as much anymore. Right. So when he was learning the songs and we were going through them the first time with him, we did that where we like you're like, holy shit, this is what this sounds like. What the fuck? We're like, oh fuck, sorry. Yeah, you don't know that the, that we do this little rock move here. <laughs> In you know? every song. Right. There's one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even a little like it's all new to that like a little caca sticks with you forever. Yes. Even the audience starts to know the caca is coming. That's totally. So totally, totally. Um, what was the first album that you remember buying with your own money? Were you buying CDs? Yeah. Or were you absolutely. just downloading? Okay. No, CDs. It was Sepultura against. Mm, later. Which era. I didn't know that Max was out, you know? Right. So I'm the like the new fucking Sepultura, baby. Let's go. Yeah. That's the uh, first one without Max, right? I think it is the first one. Right. Might be the second, but it's the first one I remember because it was like, here we go. The GOAT, the best man ever put out a new album. They were my favorite man from age eight to like probably 13, 14. Yeah. Still way up there for me, but Typo eventually eclipsed them. Um. And I was definitely like, the, Max sounds crazy on this one. He sounds different. His English was like unbelievable. <laughs> Just having no idea what what happened behind the scenes. And then and then reading the liner notes and being like, who the fuck? Who's this Derek fella? Yeah. What's going on here? But totally. I like I still like a lot of those tracks. I there's some there's some post-Max Sepultura tracks that go obscenely hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also, you know. Max and Igor, maybe the two coolest guys to ever live. Have you, you've probably played shows with them at this point, right? Never. Never? Never. I've only corresponded with Igor a little bit and he's like the coolest guy. But them as champions of new music has to be celebrated, you know? Yes. They, need, they deserve their flowers now for being legends in this in this game and still going so far out of their way to uplift new things yeah i know i've max definitely like put on for nails i'm pretty sure Big right? time. he was, yeah, he was huge, on a nails right? record um he was on the last thing that's that right did. and that's it's amazing. right um no no that's that's absolutely sure i remember going to there was a a metal festival do you remember one called tattoo the earth 
Of course. Yeah. And I remember, you know, as if I had a say in anything, like trudging over there to be like, okay, let's I see how this, this. Let's see yeah. how this guy does. And I remember being yeah. like, pretty good. Honestly, pretty good. And then pretty- and, and Igor was still Yes. In the band at that time. So it was yes. like, all right, we got one. <laughs> we got one. Very true. Very true. Um, what was the first concert that you went to? Okay. Hey Breed, first live band I've ever seen. Uh, Sean Martin, first live guitar player I've ever seen. Obviously now plays in, still plays in Twitching Tongues to this day. So that's like, I did it, you know? I could die tomorrow and I did it. Real, real quick. I mean, this is something, uh, a theme that gets talked about. I bring it up all the time, whether it's on this show or other shows. Uh, I just, I need your, um, your backing on this that I think the coolest thing about hardcore period is if you put in just enough effort it is not impossible to play with your favorite bands no no, it is it is like borderline inevitable you are actually the crown prince of this situation i did yeah you just talked about stigmata and now also being in a band with sean i did it twice twice so just keep spin kicking eventually somebody will be like that guy's good at that maybe he can play in a band too you know yeah yeah Uh, maybe it'll be your brother who says it and then that's even better yeah yeah okay so hey breed that happened okay so so what so what else you got here's a fun one for you jeremy uh in connecticut the show the gig was two bands headlining was a little band called creed who at the time was like kind of an extreme rock act, you know? Sure. Like it was borderline like, yo, you like Creed? That's fucking dope. You know, right. they're hard as shit. <laughs> right. Uh, opening, Jerry Cantrell. Oh. That's a badass tour, dude. <laughs> so this was post Lane passing. Um, and Jerry just played the hits. Do you think that that had to have been a pride swallower moment for jerry cantrell i would have to imagine so but dude think about how quickly creed exploded yeah crazy took took over the world where like the it made christianity like cool (laughs) (laughs) like like god was dope again because of creed Were you, I remember there was like a brief period where there was people from the hardcore community who uh, were like, yo, Nickelback has riffs. Were you one of those people? Uh, I'm not going to say Nickelback has riffs, but I think they've gotten a bad rap for a long time. Okay. Maybe unrightfully so. They have, they have tracks for sure. (laughs) Okay. I'm not sitting at home listening to Nickelback. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to make fun of you in this moment. I'm no, I know that. I know you're not doing it. Get you. I'm not sitting at home like yo, Nickelback is straight up dope. Um, but it's hard. You when you hear Nickelback back to back with some shit that's popping today, mm-hmm. it'll kind of be like, okay, where did this come from? So you are, as people know, a multi instrumentalist. What was the first instrument you played? Drums were first. Drums were actually. First. That's a lie. Uh. Played upright bass in elementary school. Oh, okay. Suck ass at it. It was so bad. What made and you want to do that? Uh, my parents were like, you should probably do something with your life while you're in school. Uh, like join band or something. Okay. Um, 
So were we, you like, well, I know they have bass and rock bands, so I'll pretty play much. Bass. Yeah, that was the thing. I was like, bass is cool. Um, and I don't think Taylor was the drummer. You know, they were like, oh, Taylor needs a bass player. He should do this. <laughs> so <laughs> Taylor needs an upright bass player. <laughs> yeah, so we like rented the upright bass from my elementary school, and one day it fell over and like exploded. Oh, no. Exp- dude, it was it was graphic the way this thing exploded. It was oh. everywhere. Yeah, uh, and I never touched it again. I never played it again. Oh. Dropped the class. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then there was a brief little window when I was thirteen, fourteen, where drums were set up all the time, just ready to go. And I would sneak in when Taylor wasn't home because he didn't want me hitting his his Wuhan China. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> the step brothers of it all. That was me. Yeah. Basically, I thought the China sounded so cool. That I was like, I should learn how to, what this does. Wow. The China symbol is 100% the reason that I play drums. Wow. That sounds awesome. so cool. It does. It's a, an abrasive splash sound. Oh God. It's beautiful. And then a uh, splash and a China together. So that was this dude, the kit Taylor's set up at that time was crash splash China. Hi hat. No ride. <laughs> well, who needs a ride? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I can uh, ride the China have with all of the nostalgia bands are there bands doing the the china splash breakdown like they were in the early 2000s uh i don't hear it as much i'm sure it's out there somewhere but nobody gets the why you know yeah nobody understands the purpose the intention they understand the what they understand what to do right but the why why are you hitting that china right there yeah that you know it needs to be oh yeah yeah. It needs that to be done. Like, it's got to be tasteful. Yeah. Poison the Well, I believe we're probably the masters at that because they really made it a thing. But mm. there are other examples for sure. I like the more like biohazard China use, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like crash ride, China ride, crash ride, China ride, crash ride, China ride. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Using it as like, okay, it's with the snare, but we're it's doing other stuff too. Yes. That's my shit. Uh, so we can, it sounds like bass didn't take. Bass didn't take. I'll rock. I, I mean, I play bass in a band now. So it's yeah, like, sure, sure, sure. It took enough. Yeah. You didn't, but you're not taking anything you learned from no, that no. to applying it to what you're doing. No, right I'm not now. using my fucking horsehair uh, bow <laughs> resin to, to play in dead body. Right. Uh, yeah. As much as you should, maybe. Yeah. I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, here this is kind of funny. So when you were sneaking on the kit, yeah, was I, I'm I'm developing a, a story in my own head where you learn how to play a song on the drums and you have no one to share it with because because I not couldn't supposed to be doing it. this. So first thing I did was write songs. Oh, it was okay. it was learn all all I wanted to do was be able to get be good enough to be able to play satisfaction, mm. and then I wanted to write new things. Mm-hmm. so it's like i so it's like writing is like a gene it's crazy some people can't do it you know i i think i you know it sucks that it's it is partly genetic because you know the the best guitar player that i know in my life probably i don't think has ever written a song you know interesting and i just think like the i'm i'm probably one of the worst guitar players that i know and i'll write you a motherfucking symphony journey <laughs> It'll take me 10 minutes. You are full of quotes, my friend. I got you. 
you're full of poll quotes. Thanks, man. Uh, that would be an alternative press headline. <laughs> I suck dick at guitar, <laughs> but I am Mozart. Let me write you a symphony. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying this as a way of like, I'm, no, I get it. It, but it's just like, I like to do it. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 I feel bad for musicians who feel they can't do it. So you might find this interesting. So we did our last record with Ross Robinson, who that's insane. Who told me that he, cause he used to play guitar in a band that was on Roadrunner. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm -hmm. It's like an old metal thrash metal band that he was right. in. Um, and he had to stop playing guitar because he felt that he would never be fulfilled. That, that like he would just go crazy trying to write a great song and felt like he was never capable of writing the great song. So oh. for his mental health had to put guitar away because he was just like, it would, I would never be satisfied with anything. Dude, I'm doing. starting to understand that. Is that true? Where Cause I'm starting from scratch with two new records for two different bands and it's driving me insane because now I know I, I've learned so much. I've learned too much about like, Oh, this is a good song. The uh, like possibility is killing my will to write, you know, hmm. a song can be so much that it'll never feel finished to me. When in reality, if I just let it breathe and let it be a minute and a half long, it'd probably be really cool. Right. It's, it's tough, man. I'm having a tough time. Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally, like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T, work, coffeebar.com. What's that? So what is Satisfaction, the first song you learned how to play on drums? Um, it was probably Last Breath, yeah. Okay. So which is like double kick for two and, two and a half minutes. So I, I, when I started playing drums, I thought everybody played double kick for one. It was like, okay, this is just part of a drum kit. I'd never, Taylor was the only drummer I'd ever seen. Yeah. You know? So I was just like, I'll just do what he does. And he played open-handed. Which you do. Which I do, but I'm left-handed. So it makes a little more makes sense. sense for you. Yeah. He don't make sense. Is he, wait, um, is he right-handed, but plays open-handed? Yeah. He makes no, he's a freak. That's shocking. He's an animal. Uh, I don't understand why, but it, I'm glad he did. Cause then it made me a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it was probably last breath, and it was just because I sat there going until it sounded right. I love the idea of you thinking every song just every band just has double bass, like Weezer. So much double bass in Weezer, I'm sure. I like so that's why drummers that can do the the steady hi hat count through the song and never stop blow my mind. I think they're gods. 
it's very it's an impressive move nah, but it's I, like, I, dude that's like drumming 101 totally, totally. and i skipped it. you skipped it yeah you went you said just give me that i said give me 10 drumming 108 you know no pun intended um okay so then now now at what point are you now in california yeah okay so so you're in i've california. been here for two years at that time okay my musical days is over okay um i think i sing for a band before starting to learn drums oh wait, which band did you sing for it was not this wasn't it's not worth your time <laughs> it's not worth the airwaves time um frankly but this is the this is the problem we're gonna we're gonna have right here. Is it was this your first band? Yeah, this is my first band. This is your first band. See, this is this is where you have to pull back <laughs> and right. and uh, accept that we all did embarrassing things. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I think for a first band, it was pretty good. Okay. Um, it was called Buried in Silence. Okay. We had two songs. I think we played two shows. Were they at the Cobalt Cafe? Uh, one was. Yeah. Of course. Yep. And one was at, do you remember in North, uh, and sorry, in Reseda, that movie theater that was used for shows for Club 13? Oh, I remember Club 13. It was Club 13 was our, was our, no, sorry. We played three shows. Studio S was first. You hit the, you hit, you I hit, hit the, the spot, trifecta. Dude. I know. So Studio <laughs> S was first. Um, second show was Cobalt. Third show was Club 13. You know, this show has had a fair amount of Cobalt Cafe talk, but what this show has not had is Studio S talk. Oh, man. Talk legendary. Now, for listeners at home, for for the listener who's in Albuquerque, for the listener yeah. who is in Providence, Rhode Island, to describe Studio S would be to say a venue that is in the middle of an alley that... <laughs> Literally. That... Uh, in a very hot part of the San Fernando Valley, yeah, that was a storage unit garage. Yeah. How would we describe it? Storage, storage unit. unit it was like a like a like a warehouse that a was warehouse. not meant to be stood in by people with a metal roof. Yeah, completely. Um, and it sounded like a warehouse with a metal, with a metal roof, roof. Yeah. in the middle of an alley in the Absolutely. San Fernando Valley absolutely um that was where at studio s was the the door guy there i forget his name he was understand. the first guy that i heard called taylor trailer <laughs> and it was like so revolutionary to me as like the shitty younger brother you know <laughs> uh, but studio s was a lawless paradise basically yeah you know? yeah it was basically uh it was international waters i do you remember that there was the moment where it was like okay yeah like the show's the studio s like fucking it'll be five bucks like it is what it is <laughs> but then there was the time when all of a sudden they were like selling tickets and it was like a 15 to 20 dollar show at studio s and i was like yeah things need to things need to calm down yeah what was the what was the 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 booker that booked at like the whiskey that emailed bands to pay to play m Productions. M Productions, that cocksucker! Oh yes. my god, the worst. Yeah, yeah. I they sold, I sold 150 tickets to open the Hate Verge show. 150, 150 tickets to open the show. You sold that many. I the be, and let me tell you, it was the easiest time we ever had because we yeah. at no point said, "You want to come see my band play?" We said, "Hey, we have tickets to Converge." Do you want to Dude. buy a ticket from Converge for without a service fee? 
Now, Jeremy, was yeah. this stricken? Yes. Do you talk about stricken on here a lot? Uh, I mean, I, the show's not, you know, I'm usually interviewing the guests, but I don't think it's totally. We'll talk about stricken when Jeremy comes on Hard Lord next week. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll get into the, we'll get into the history of stricken. Uh, so stricken converge. Was that the whole gig? No, because see, this is where things get interesting is there were three locals before <laughs> first blood curl up and die and converge which is what the Holy show was. shit, dude. So I've thought about this so much, Colin, as someone who now does this for a living and you yeah. do this for a living. Yeah. Isn't it insane? To, so I know that we had to sell 150 tickets. The band before us had to sell 100 tickets. And the band before them had to sell 50 tickets because they were playing like the 6 p.m. slot on this show. So they're just not promoting shows. Let's, so what a racket. I am shocked by this because I'm like, that's half the capacity, yeah. if not more than the whiskey. So like that's, how many, convert that's, that, that's the cap. They how rely on you three to sell the tickets. I'm like, how many actual Converge fans were able to buy tickets to this I from know. Ticketmaster? Just stricken heads at this gig. <laughs> it's crazy. I won, uh, one time, uh, my, one of my bands was, or would have been stricken was, was doing, um, the, uh, classic fucking, um, selling tickets thing so you have to so it's always funny when you make a uh underage people go sign a contract for money um but we knew that corn was doing a surprise set that afternoon at the whiskey oh. so we purposefully were like well we'll go sign our contracts during the corn show ah. so, and then so we went in there to sign the contract and we we're like hey what's going on downstairs he's like ah corn's doing a surprise show you guys can go check it out if you want we're like no nah, we have a little extra time and we're like fuck corn yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly zach hitting the pit for corn i'm sure exactly yeah. exactly anyway um so yeah uh that band that you were in um yeah. you played three shows was it just shows. like did, did those members of that band did you ever play music with them ever again or was it just a one and no um the bass player brandon was like is like i think my oldest friend oh great you know? like yeah. the first person i met in california basically um, and like, I got him in a hardcore, I got him into straight edge, all the stuff. Um, and he's to this day, the only person I've, I've been willing to get a uh, TV production work for <laughs> Sure, like the only guy I trust enough to be like, yes, okay. You can represent me in, in your work field. Totally. Um, so yeah, he, we're still buddies. He's, he like came to San Fury and stuff. He's coming this year. So is he, uh, is he a, a full fledged civilian at this point? He's no, I think he's like 50 50, you know? Okay. Yeah. I, he comes to midnight hour all the time. He's around. Oh, cool. You know? Great. But great, he'll great. rock like a champion hoodie and he like doesn't, he doesn't know, you know? <laughs> and he'll be like, God, God bless you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a purity to that. There you know? is. Exactly. And I'm, uh, I, I, and it's like, okay, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. No, no, sure not. <laughs> certainly not. Um, so. What of those three shows, which one was the first? Was it the theater? Was it Studio, Studio S? Studio S was, was first. Studio S was first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How did it go? And that first, dude, it, was, it was honestly kind of all three were like pretty good. Okay. And you were singing. So talk singing. to me about what it felt like to be singing on stage for the very first time. Do you remember? Like, I mean, you've already done theater. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't write lyrics. That was my one bugaboo. I guess I should have done that. I just said, did said stuff in like a type voice. I was 14. I didn't know that you had to write stuff. I was like, I don't worry. I got, I'll get some, I got something. Um, but the first time somebody moshed legitimately, I know this is like stupid or whatever, but that changed my life. 
Like singing to somebody moshing was like this. All right, this is it. I shall do this. I shall do this. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. That was Studio S. Can I ask your opinion on a mosh-related thing? <laughs> Always. I'd be mad if you didn't. <laughs> so in these last ton of years, sure. it is not uncommon to watch footage from a festival where it's just a pit. Like yeah. up against this, like there's not even, there's maybe like a handful of people right up against the stage, but they're just basically getting hit. Sure. But for the most part, it's just a gigantic room of moshing. And then it's like, it's like the gladiator style horseshoe basically. Yeah. Now, do you, if you had your way in the world, would you prefer there be a few rows deep and then the pit, or are you down with the whole thing being pit? Um, I've I've never personally experienced whole thing being pit. It sounds awesome to see, and I think if there's a barricade, yeah, whole thing pit, because you can't sing along anyway. But I know that when I'm singing. Uh, I love people singing along is like, that's the best part. Yeah. Obviously you, seeing murders yeah. and, and second degree and, and manslaughters is awesome. <laughs> um, but <laughs> like the singing, that's like, that's the personal connection that yeah. I have with everybody who's there. Yeah. So uh, that's special to me. But like when I'm playing drums or something. Yeah. Whole thing pit. Come on. Whole thing pit. pit. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't yeah. care. I'm singing. I'm not singing. I'm just vibing. Okay. Okay. What now? Gun to your head. If you're like, when you play, you either have people singing or you have people moshing. Which one are you taking? I'd probably pick singing. If I if I'm singing, yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, like a room of people singing is. There's nothing in the world better than that. That's like, damn, I did that to you. Right. Right. I wrote that. The thing you're saying. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I just needed your two cents on it. That's a good, yeah. I'll give you I mean, two cents, four cents, whatever you need. <laughs> um, now, has Taylor almost exclusively recorded things that yeah. you've done? I think the only thing he didn't record were the first two things that I ever played on. Like, played on, like, things that mattered, you know? Yeah. Was the, the first ruckus thing, Human Pollution. Um, and the fight everyone LP. Okay, I was curious if you were. I couldn't remember who actually performed on the fight everyone stuff. So Taylor did it until, or Rhett did it for the demo, and whatever the next thing was. Mm -hmm. And then I played on the. I played on a few songs on the LP, but I was the drummer. But Taylor was just so much better than me at drums. Yeah. That he did like 80% of it. Okay. Okay. Um, but the ruckus thing was the first full thing that I ever played on. And I think I was 16 at the time. Okay. And uh, which is crazy to think about. What do you remember from your first studio like recording experiences? Was that something that you took to pretty quickly or is it something that made you nervous? And how has that definitely made me nervous? How has that changed over time? Uh, now I, I enjoy the, the studio just because you get more confident in your, in your songwriting, you know, and Taylor and I practice whenever it's time to record. It's like, we, I know these fucking songs, right? So the God's hate LP, there's no click, no scratch guitar. 
no nothing. Wow. I just played drums. Yeah. Nothing. That's really impressive. Thanks, man. Um, that's how I prefer to do it. Cause it's like, if I'm, if I don't know it well enough, it's not ready yet. Basically. Damn. So I'll just I mean, rip. No click. I can accept that. There's tons of bands that don't do that. Don't do click, but like not having scratch guitar is pretty, pretty crazy. I, I don't think, I mean, I it's, it's only works because the songs were so born from like, they were in my mind for so long and I was, I didn't know how to demo things the way that I can now um, that I had like so meticulously crafted them only inside my mind. Yeah. So it was like, I had to record the drums and then, and then teach them to Taylor. Pretty right. Much. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and then what do you care about vinyl? Are you a vinyl guy? I like it. Yeah, sure, sure. I like I, like specialty. I like I love a box set, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a movie soundtrack or like yes. a game soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Um I was curious if the first time you were handed one of your records on vinyl if that was a special moment big, for you. Big time. Um, was it Twitching Tongues? It was Twitching Tongues. That was it was the Sleep Therapy LP was the first I think the first, no, the first vinyl was the, would be the, the insane and inhumane seven inch. That was the first thing I saw. Okay. Photo booth records. Oh, Oh two, I believe, um, out of three <laughs> and yeah, that was really cool. Um, the first time you do it, it blows you away how long everything takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Were you it's like, all right, we submitted this. We got a tour in six months. It'll be ready. Right. Were you uh, checking the test press or did you leave that to the label? Taylor, we all, so <laughs> um, Taylor being the engineer guy, he wants to check tests, right? Yeah. The one time we didn't was in love. There's no law, like our big, our big kind of like breakthrough record and they're fucking jacked up, dude. Oh no. Yeah. So the first pressing like sounds like ass. Oh no. Is it? So it's just, it's purely a Sonic thing or was there like pops and skips? Yeah, and no, stuff? it's purely Sonic. It's just like, it wasn't, it wasn't right. Um, and we were on tour at the time, so we couldn't prove it. You but I think what? that scarred closed casket so much that now they're very meticulous about approving things. It always takes one incident. You know what I'm saying? Minute. Yeah. I mean, Epitaph didn't check that test press for that. Every time I die record no. where there was a song left off. No, they did not. So, you know, it always also, takes the integrity to die for. Track listing is like way off oh, for wow. like the, the song the title on the CD. Yeah. Is completely different than the oh track. The tracks are all messed up. Oh, my God. Yeah. I remember emailing Dwid when I was a kid being like, <laughs> hey, this isn't right. <laughs> And he was like, I know, like, thank you for saying something. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I think he said like, if only death wish had your keen eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great response. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so what, I, there was a release that I was very curious of that I wanted to ask you about, which is a twitching tongues uh, split with ruckus. That is a 10 inch. <laughs> Out of 55. 55, dude. How cool is that? 
how what's the story here were these leftover uh, songs were uh, these yeah well yeah it was just um it was a typo negative we recovered for we covered for a toxic breed comp okay and a grimlock cover we recorded for a toxic breed comp <laughs> and i think maybe there's one more thing on there um but this guy in france was like hey my buddy owns a pressing plant and he'll let me do whatever i want can we do this yeah. I was like, yeah, of course. Um, so, dude, the, the, like the care and attention they put into those fifty-five copies is insane. Yeah, there was like three original pieces of artwork made for them. Oh my god! I was going through your discography and I was like, wow. And not only is this, you know, it's it's that's a pricey record. I feel like yeah. that's a very sought after little little thing. It's there. only three tests, and the test has different artwork and like different stuff in it. It's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I just caught my eye. I was like, damn, and limited to 55. I was like, I need to know the story. I also chuckled that it's called per, uh, poorly performed poorly. Performed poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Was that in, in regard to the covers? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, that's, that's awesome. Um, the double entendre. Yeah. So, with the amount of output, so you're, you know, you're, you're someone who is uh, very active at starting new bands, always recording, always, always doing this. So like, yeah, what do you get out of each of these bands personally? Like, is it the friendships involved with the members? Like obviously God's hate, like you, you're doing that with Nate, you're, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's a, it's a big collective of friends that you're doing that with, but like, you know, then you have other projects with people that maybe you're, you've been a fan of that you're now getting to play in a band with you know eyes of lord yeah. things like that so like is there something specifically that you're getting out of these bands personally that continues the drive for doing them yeah and i think taking a break from each one makes it easier to come back refreshed if i was only doing twitching tongues 100 percent of the time um I, I just i don't think the music would would be as good um, there'd be more of it so maybe people would some people would like that. Um, but I think everything benefits from taking a break. And I always loved musicians who had a, a shit ton of bands and had these little gems in their discography that were like, when the fuck did they do this? Right. Um, like those people, like a Nate Newton, you know, we just did a long thing with him where just like I, I punished him about that because it's always that people like him and like that, that always have these new things coming. It also just makes you more connected. It gives, it gives like a, like some people only know me from eyes of the Lord, probably like, Oh, that's the eyes of the Lord guy. <laughs> and that's like a thing. A thousand people have heard. Um, yeah. This is probably a question you've been asked uh, a number of times. So I apologize, but maybe not. I don't know. But how do you, because you have so many different projects, like <laughs> how do you know which thing is going to go to which project that when you start writing? That's hard. That's hard. Cause a lot of the time, like I just wrote a thing that is that when I showed it to Taylor, Taylor was like, you should use it for the other one. And I was like, okay. Um, it just comes down to the intention is, is right now I've got a lot of melody in me that I got to get out. So that makes it easy. Cause I, I can only do it, put a little bit of that in God's hate. Yeah. Um, a crumb of melody just to separate the, the madness, the Oh one, Oh one, Oh one of it all. Right. Um, so that's been going more melodic mentally with Twitching Tongues is kind of making it easier to to separate the two. But um, generally, 
when we when Taylor and I like write an album, we write an album. It's not like, oh, I've got this song to do something for at some point. I don't I don't really believe in singles. Mm. Um I think they're the opposite of what any I, I get that you like have to do them now and that's just the way music works, but I don't like them. I don't like the idea of them. I will We're never in the same boat. subscribe to that. Good. Yeah. We're album guys. We're album guys. We're album guys. I need There's a full guys. song guys. We're album guys. I need a full story. Not even I story. Need story I, need, dude. I need the I need to know that there was intent beside with this song, that it's gonna exactly. fit in. It's a it's just one piece of a puzzle. Exactly. If the closer ain't epic, I'm out. Yeah. If the opener doesn't catch me uh, and if the ending song doesn't doesn't make me feel like I just went through something. Exactly. Yeah. So we're I'm I'm always been about the journey. Yes. Um, and I think that's how you separate how I've been able to separate the two or three or whatever, however many there are is just starting a different journey with each one. Right. Um, and you know, I think different people do a different amount of work in each one. And that, that shows like God's hate was, that was me dead body. That's mostly Taylor pushing tongues is like us combining together from the beginning um, so it's, it, 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 the, the, the mind, the minds, like you can tell like, oh, that's the same guy that wrote that. Um, but the intention is just slightly different in each one and it, and it, it helps by the end. Which role do you feel that you get the most out of personally? Is it singing? I think I'm better at drums than I am for singing. <laughs> uh, barely. Well now, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing a great, I, we've been, we've been practicing. Um, and I don't know if it's just like being 30 plus, but like, I ain't never sounded this good. <laughs> you I know, mean, I think just growing just makes you totally better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a confidence in it. There's uh you've done it a bunch. There's what you've learned along the way. Like all of those things I think do make singers better over time. I told, I mean, it's, it's, it's apparent to me every time we practice now, cause it's like, I couldn't, the, the, the first practice that we did back after the first song, we all looked at each other and we were like, we've never sounded this good. <laughs> um, to the point where it was like only funny. Um, so I think singing, yes, probably the most fulfilling because it's like, that's, that's my story lyrically you know yeah. or if i write a really cool melody and you lock that in you find that harmony you lock that in you listen to the finished thing you're like damn this this song was not this before i did this right i just changed this motherfucker you know <laughs> that's that's crazy like my musical science like that where the song is just a completely different thing once the the vocals are on is uh is very special but I I love the writing process for 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 anything. So like I like the production aspect more so than I would say the drumming aspect or the singing aspect of just like cracking the code on a song no matter which band is like there are there are parts on that God's Hate record parts on a song on the last Twitching Tongues record where it was like years of playing this one riff or two riffs a different way until hearing like a Barry White song and being like, oh, I can do that. 
I can just do that. And then right. boom, the whole thing is written. Interesting. Interesting. When it came time for you to have to write lyrics, uh, did you struggle with that? Like, was it something that came naturally? Like, and were there lyricists that you were looking towards as, yeah. as inspiration? Yeah. Um, Mina Caputo, Peter Steele, and I mean, Evan Seinfeld, you know, um, I was, I was like when I was 16, 15, 17, it was like, I'm going to kill myself at some point, you know, it's going to happen. So channeling that into music was like the first no brainer, you know, I was like, okay, I'm 15, 16, 17. All I know is that, uh, every girl ever I've ever known has already broken my heart because that's all I'm an idiot, you know, and I'm going to kill myself. It's, it was like, you know, you just know, even, even you don't, but you do. Um, so channeling that into ways and using that as like, okay, all of my favorite bands are talking about that. So maybe if then none of them have done it, you know, except for the, these other guys, but like there's some that have, but I'm not talking about them. Um, none of them have done it. So maybe if I use that, that's, that's like, that'll kind of heal me a little bit, you know, this damn, this is dark. Uh, I mean, that's uh, a powerful thought. And it's, it, is. it, was it, like, it sounds okay, like it's if actually, I, if I don't, yeah. if I sing about it, I, I won't do it, you know? Right. Or if I sing about not doing it, then maybe I really won't do it. If I can make somebody not do it and then, and then you sing about doing it and you're like, ah, that song's good. Uh, uh. I don't know. That's I always liked stuff like that. That just kind of that like teeters a line of like, hey, I'm a I am a human being, and it sucks to be here. Yeah, those are the best songs. Yeah. Do you have you found yourself, uh, I guess, in a happier place these days? Like when you like, do you feel like you still need that the singing part, the writing lyrics part, as a reminder? Or I I don't actively think like like think about it like that I, sure. I think that was maybe like okay i was a teenager obviously mm -hmm. but i definitely think there's a healing aspect to it like the there's a lot of that in a new thing i'm working on just because it's i like it it makes me feel connected to to like to the old me you know right 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 um, well, I mean, and like what's what's more human than not wanting to be alive anymore it's fair not, it fucking sucks here but you connect would, through art like that, and then maybe you want to stay around a little longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, not to once again, armchair psychologist kind of a, a thing, but like I was going to ask if you think that your extensive output is responsible for these feelings. For sure. Yeah. Because um, when you have, whenever you have a little goal next, you know? You're like oh, I can't kill myself. I gotta. I, I gotta, gotta finish this thing. I gotta finish this record, and I gotta finish that one, and then I, you know, I gotta have fucking. <laughs> then I gotta, I gotta have tour. The There's the a whole album cycle. Yeah, exactly. Ju Justin so paid for this band. thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you keep these little goals, and then you'll, and then you stick around. <laughs> well, Colin, I truly, truly, from the deepest parts of my soul, hope you stick around forever. Oh, <laughs> I'm here to stay, dude. Yeah, I'm just chilling. Something. Let me ask you something, Jeremy. Jeremy, who's your dream podcast guest? 
it's tough. Okay. Here's the here's why. And I'm the guy you haven't had that you're like, I gotta get him. Right. Well, this is what I was gonna say. Was there's certainly people that would I I would just write out the bad, just like start saying you know, and I can name a few of them. But like the thing is, is if they're like older, there's always a thing where I'm like, well, what the fuck am I gonna ask him that this guy hasn't been asked a hundred times? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um. So I'm critical, self critical of myself, where it's just like, do I want to waste that guy's time? But if I'm just having fun. Right, yeah. just throwing out a name. I would love to talk to Matt Berninger of the National. I feel okay. like that would be really exciting for me. Uh, I would... The Nationalists, as Chris, our our cumulative, <laughs> our uh, our joint fan driver, once called him <laughs> the Nationalist. Um, I just got to spend uh, six weeks with him. Just the best. He's still driving. Oh yeah, he's been oh, our he guy. Hates, since, he hates us. Since two, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he said we're the only band that he didn't hug goodbye. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Matt Berninger is a, is a big one. Connor Oberst, uh, of bright eyes is, is, a, bright eye? yeah, is, yeah. is another big one. Um, okay. you can get him maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think you could get him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, it's all timing. Colin, what was the, what was the first tour you did? First tour I ever did. First like actual tour was yeah. playing drums for alpha and omega. Oh, supporting one of the drummers for sure one of yeah. the drummers i yeah. was the third yeah third Post one philip was philip and then you know what's funny is i've seen philip around it's like a famous like a chef time. now famous chef and then he was like i saw him at like auditions for things a, a little bit i guess yeah i did one audition i saw philip there and i like talked to him for a second yeah and he like clearly like definitely had no idea who i was and i was like this fucking guy doesn't <laughs> yeah um and then there was some guy who was like a doctor now who played before me. Oh, okay. And then uh, and then it was me. And I was in there for a year and a half, I think. Did you ever play with Brian Weisberg? Are, do you know Brian Weisberg? I did not. What is his nickname? Uh, we once called him Shadow. No. He has a lot of different nicknames, I think. Scrappy or something? Oh, Sparky. Sparky. That's Fuck, it, yeah. I forgot about Sparky. No, I never played with, I never played with Brian. Um but it was it was uh, Alpha and Omega, Cruel Hand, Trapped Under Ice, and Bane. That's a packed, strong tour. Dude, it was wild, and it yeah. was like right before uh, Big Kiss Goodnight. It was right when Cruel Hand put out Lock and Key. Jesus, it was a wild time. Yeah. Um, so all those shows were good. So I just thought that's what touring was. Right. Damn. Was it and it was U.S. It was U.S. and then two months later, Europe without Cruel Hand. Oh my God! Did the same thing. So that was your first European tour. It was my first European tour. Damn. Yeah. Not two bad. real strong ones, right? Off the yeah. Back. So who was in Alpha and Omega at the time? Was it? It was you, Luis, Brian Wilcox, Wilcox. Okay. Um, Aaron Jamili. Oh wow! Yeah. And Walter Delgado played bass. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. It was cool. Okay, so I mean that's insane. Did you enjoy your first tour experience? Like, yeah, like loved, you had fun. Uh, yeah, I did have fun. Um, I think I lost my, I left my symbols at the venue day two. No, so I think that was like the harsh way to learn. Like, oh, it's up to me to get my shit every night. Nobody's doing nobody's that. helping. Um, which yeah. is an important lesson to learn. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and but yeah, I had a blast. Um, and like just thinking about 
the people on that tour is crazy. Yeah. Um, like Trap and Rice already was like that band to me when doing that. And then like, dude, on that European tour was the turnstile songs were like starting to like Brendan. I don't like most people wouldn't remember this, but in long before turnstile turnstile, the name was like in his Instagram and Twitter bio. Oh, I don't know. Like it existed, yeah, but it wasn't out there yet. So on that tour, Franz was doing merch for them and like learning bass to try to play bass for turnstile. So like I witnessed every day in the back him like, Oh, I have time away from merch. Okay. I'm going to learn bass. That's awesome. Which was really cool. And now he's fucking, he did it. Doesn't he have a signature bass? Probably. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. I witnessed that. And he was a drummer. Yeah. Fucking badass. Fucking badass. That's that's unbelievably cool. I did it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, now I'm gonna hit you with the last question. Hit me with the last question. When was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards? The first time I felt like I was doing the thing I worked so hard towards. Uh shit, man. I've got a lot of them. You can you can give me a couple if you want. Yeah, I think the Do you want me to do you want me to tell you which one is you know, the best of sure. the, of the ones you give me? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I think the first um the first this is hardcore that Twitching Tongues played uh was the first time it felt like oh shit. Like uh something something happened. Cuz the first few tours we did um the first one we did we were 2 of 5 and it was like there was a couple of shows where we were like, oh, that's pretty good. Uh, the second one we did, we tried to do the like nails solo headliner thing, which barely works for nails. So of course, did not work for us. Meaning you would be playing with locals. Yeah, it was okay. nail. Like the first, the unsilent death tour was nails and locals. Sick. So the sleep therapy tour was twitching tongues and locals. Yeah. Um, and so those neither of those were like amazing uh but that this is our core was after we put out our like the preacher man seven inch that followed up sleep therapy and that felt like kind of a restart and the set felt like kind of a restart uh we were like third or fourth on that day and came out of it as like one of the sets people talked about and right. that felt that felt like okay people are starting to get it you know, we're not, we're out of the box. Obviously a lot of people don't get it and that's fine. They never will. I remember you and I had a conversation one time where you're like, I don't get it, man. And I was like, brother, you don't have to, it's okay. <laughs> but at the end of the day though, the one thing that I've always fucking appreciated was that you guys were 100% yourselves and genuine oh, yeah. in what you were doing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you weren't like you were derivative of the things that you were influenced by, but at the, at, in that time, even right now, nothing come, nothing is what no. you guys are doing. So, it came, and that's the thing. We were a combination of so many things. Everything that we were a combination of hit a ceiling real early. So it wasn't as surprising to us when we hit a ceiling, you know? Because uh, it was like, of course we are. Because all these things that we like and are influenced by aren't popular to people. And what's sick is what you're describing of of like being the band that's talked about at the fest because you are that band because you guys sound the way that you do 
that's gonna happen and that is the best fucking special move that any band could have is to be the band that doesn't sound like every other band on the festival you know what i'm saying like those are always the sets that get talked about you know like like standing period coming up mean is a good chance for us to do that times a thousand you know right and the fact that i feel like twitching tongues has always been a cult followed band within hardcore where like you guys are like the almost like the into another or you know like one of those sort of things where it's just like the people that are down fucking are down as hell and that's that's cooler than just being you know cookie cutter hardcore that everybody just kind of collectively goes yeah that band's cool we became every band that we that like that's every band we like is like the cult weird band totally so we accidentally purposefully became that and like of course we did you know yeah but that's that's i don't think there's anything yeah, I'll cooler take, i'll take yeah. it yeah 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 uh i would say the the Hellfest that we played was that too france yeah 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 was like okay this is i didn't know this was an option <laughs> <laughs> did you so you i i know exactly what stage you guys played who else was on your day the Zone stage yeah yeah um, the Zone stage Dude, uh, Lion's Law was right before us. Okay. A French oi band. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> right. That was the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And like that, everybody knew every word to every Lion's Law yep. song. Yeah. It was incredible. It was one of the best sets I've ever seen. <laughs> and, then, and then it was us. And it was yep. still good. Yeah. Uh, and I think Defeater was like right after us or something. Okay. Yep. Uh, something like that. Sure. And like the Fize You opened it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, real wild mix of bands there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was awesome. And then later it was like fucking one of the last Motorhead sets. Oh, wow. Billy Idol. Uh, Slipknot headlining. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, that's fucking sick. Very cool. Yeah, dude. That, uh, that's funny. We, we only just did it for the first time. I think it was last year. And our stage was the only band that we had any sonic relation to was Zabalba. <laughs> oh, wow. It was Touche, Zabalba, The Exploited, The Casualties, and fuck. It was just like another punk band, like another sure. older punk band. And so it was like, well, you know, it's us, Zavala. It's, it's you and Zavala versus the world. Tonight. Yeah, we're representing California in hardcore awesome. in our own ways. That's Let's awesome. Go. Yeah, just far distant cousins. <laughs> yeah, but it makes it works. It still works. It was okay. Yeah, I thought we'd be eaten alive, but we it oh, ended up okay. Um, that's it. Well, dude, Colin, this has been goddamn awesome. Uh, I once again, you know, I'm so stoked to see the success that you've had, whether it's through your music or through your podcast. So, you know, it's been an honor being your friend all these years and uh, <sighs> long time. Yeah, man. I'm these people don't know. Are we looking at 20 years? Dude, close to 20. Because I, I, I think I was probably 13 or 14. I'm turning 32 this year. So, yeah. 18, 19. I it might have been like 2004 ish, 2000 yeah, yeah. when we met, which is fucking insane. Yeah, it's been an honor, my friend. It sure has. The honor's all mine, frankly. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Colin for coming on, and thank you for listening. 
Reminder, there is a bonus episode available right now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. Thank you so much. Take care. Be good. Bye-bye.